Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. I mean, it is that time of year. That music kind of always makes you feel good because you know the tournament is near. We are getting ready to have a conversation with CBS college basketball analyst Clark Kellogg, who's also going to be doing an event at the event center at Rivers Casino on March 9th. Get your tickets today for an inside look at his career, followed by a special Q&A session. Plus, hear Clark's picks for this year's college basketball tournament days ahead of the big bracket reveal. After the event, visit Bet Rivers Sportsbook to place your bets. Special meet and greet tickets are available. Doors open at 5, show begins at 6. Go to riverscasino.com for tickets. And now we welcome Clark Kellogg to the show. It's the Bernstein at Home Show. Dan is off today, so Big Aunt Heron is there with me. Clark, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, great to be with you and Anthony Lawrence. Um, obviously, this is an exciting time of year for those of us who have the privilege of being part of college basketball, whether we're fans or broadcasters. Certainly, the coaches and players start to ramp it up even more. So, thrilled to be able to join you guys to talk um, talk a little bit of um, what's on the docket as we head towards March. I love the idea of you sitting down and doing a, a Q&A. This is obviously like what any college basketball fan or just basketball fan would want. Mm-hmm. What are you hoping comes out of this event that you're doing with Rivers? Well, that people would enjoy it, that they maybe get a look behind the curtain uh, from the standpoint of how we prepare at CBS Sports to – bring one of the great sports events on the calendar to life. Uh, my journey, I've actually, I actually started at CBS. My first Final Four, um, guys, was back in 1997. So I've been at it over almost three decades, having the wonderful privilege of being um, courtside, either in the studio or um, at the games. Uh, and this, you know, being part of this wonderful, wonderful phenomenon that's March Madness. Um, so I hope people are able to be informed and entertained and hopefully, uh, I may help them land on a good pick in their bracket when the bracket comes out a little, a few days after um, I spend some time with them. How many brackets do you tend to fill out? Are you a multi-bracket kind of guy? You know what, Anthony? I used to do multiple. I would do a couple publicly for our website, cbsports.com, and then maybe locally. I live in Columbus, Ohio, so I might post one somewhere locally, and then I might do a family one. But over the years, the last dozen years or so i've pretty much uh, just done two i do one uh, with some kind of outside the box upside picks and then i do one that pretty much stays close to to chalk based on the matchups but the way that greg gumble does it is probably best he does it in pen after the results Oh, yeah. I mean, that's how you make sure that you get a winner right there. Yeah, Chicago's very own. That's a, that's a very smart way that he's, he's, he's going. By. You'll never lose if that's the, your strategy you for, for sure. Clark, I'm stuck with this year's college basketball because I, I feel like this is one of those years where I expect the tournament is going to be bananas. I, I just feel like there's a parity between the yeah. top – 35 teams and, and, and you yeah. know, like I, I'm, I'm an Alabama grad. So, yeah. so I look at Alabama and I go, yeah, there's a team that can win the national championship. There's also a team that can get knocked out in the second round. 
It, it feels mm-hmm. like everything is evened up around college basketball. How, how do you see this year's possible field? You know, Lawrence, I see it the same way you do. You know, we had our bracket preview show this past Saturday, and those four number one seeds, Alabama, your alma mater, was in the overall number one spot. And then you had Houston and Purdue and Kansas on that line. And I feel like those were the teams that deserve, deserve to be there at, that, at this point. They very well could remain there. Um, there might be some shift, but you're right. I think it's a much flatter world, in part because of the extra year that was afforded student-athletes because of COVID. And then you factor in the transfer portal. Uh, teams may not be as elite as we've had in the past few years, but we've had a few teams that stood out clearly, Baylor and Gonzaga, Kansas going back to 08, North Carolina 09. But I can't recall a year where, to your point, those teams that will be seeded 8 and 9, I think every one of those teams will be problematic for the one seed because there just isn't that much separation. You talk 35 teams, when you look at the rankings, and I don't give a lot of credence to them, but they are numbers next to teams' names, so you kind of look at where people fall, and there's not a ton of separation as you go deep into, like you said, 35, 40 teams, and we know how much the tournament is about matchups, um, teams being hot and healthy at the right time. Pressure is always typically tilted towards the favorites if an underdog can stay close and have some matchup parity. So I I agree. I mean, I'd be surprised if it's – even if we don't have the upsets, I think the games are going to be really, really competitive and close. And we will have some upsets. That's just part of the fabric of the tournament. Are we we beyond the point when you evaluate a program like Houston that plays a a mid-major schedule – that you know mm-hmm. the the amount of NCAA tournament teams Houston has beat is similar to the amount that Nebraska's beat at this point. But yeah. still, they are obviously one of the best teams in America. Them not being tested as consistently by the time they get to the NCAA tournament, though, should that be a concern? That's always good barbershop talk and good fodder for radio stations and debates. And we talk about it off air and even on air at CBS and the other networks talk about it too. Uh, I don't put again. It's a six-week run to a, it's a three-week run to a championship. You got to win six games. Uh, you got to be really good. You got to be healthy, and you've got to have a little luck to be able to to withstand the pressure of that compressed um, race to a championship. Uh, so I don't put a ton of weight into what conference you come from and whether or not you've been tested enough to win the championship. I think it's more about how good are you and how well do you play. Now, there is some benefit to coming out of the Big 12 where every game is virtually against the tournament caliber team. I mean, that has to sharpen your sword a bit, but I don't think it's always guaranteed that because you do come from that type of rigorous schedule that you would, in a one-game situation, beat a team that's on par with you that just hasn't played in the same level of conference. Clark Kellogg joining us here for a few minutes as we talk about the NCAA tournament. You brought up the transfer portal, and we've talked on this show with a lot of different coaches and people who cover college basketball. I'd love to know what, if any, the thing that you can share from coaches and administrators that you've talked to about how difficult the landscape is right now with yeah. the transfer portal, the extra year for, for all of the COVID students, and NIL. 
Yeah, it's extremely challenging. I mean, it's um, unprecedented, all the change that's taken place in a short period of time, foundationed on the pandemic, which altered all of our lives in a way that nobody could have ever imagined or prepared for. So we're still continuing to see byproducts of that, and we'll continue to see that for years to come. Um, beyond just the sport of basketball or college sports, you're talking about the lives of young students that miss school time, those that were unable to connect the Internet and Wi-Fi uh, because of lack of I mean, there's so many layers in terms of the disruption and change and damage that's been done. And college basketball has, has felt some of that. The transfer portal, to me, is a really complex situation because I'm very much in favor of students having the ability to move if things aren't working out where they are without penalty of participation. Um, so I feel good about that. I'm strongly in favor of that. Uh, NIL as well. Um, no student athlete who has the ability to earn a college scholarship through sports should be penalized for earning that scholarship when it comes to being able to do what all students can do in terms of monetizing their name, image, and likeness if they have that opportunity and, and ability to do so. So those things are long overdue, and I'm glad they're on the books. Now, it's created tremendous chaos for coaches, but not just from the standpoint of building your roster and having to re-recruit players. Some of that is a function, guys, of the climate of our culture in terms of how kids now are much quicker to seek what they think is greener grass elsewhere when they encounter headwinds of competition or expectations not being met. I know that's not the case for every kid, but a lot of kids are defaulting to, if it's not working here, then I'll just go here and it'll be better. And that's not good for them or the game. The flip side is that some of this flatness you see in college basketball, the fact that there are a lot more older, more experienced, good teams across the landscape is a direct result of the transfer portal. So it's cut both ways. Um, it's a challenge for coaches. There's no doubt about it. It's extremely chaotic. NIL, because it's gotten away in some places from the intention of what it was designed to do, has become problematic and challenging as well. And I think that'll settle down and smooth out over time, but it is uh, another level of stress and um, challenge for, for coaches across uh, college basketball in particular as we speak about it, and, and even college football as well. Clark, we've seen the Northwestern Wildcats finally enter the top 25 this season. They're one of only two Big Ten teams with a winning road record this year in a deep Big Ten conference, and it feels like they they certainly have solidified the, the second NCAA tournament berth in the history of their program. Uh, I'm wondering, now that they are starting to get more national appreciation, but they've pretty much been playing. You talk about experience. I mean, they, they've got one of the most experienced backcourts in college basketball yeah. between Boo Booey and Chase Aldige. Yes. Why, why are we just seeing them start to get appreciated now? Well, again, sometimes it just takes a little while. The uh, results continue to pile up, and eventually – the publicity catches up with the results. Uh, there are a lot of factors and dynamics that go into that, but they've um, done it the right way. I mean, Chris Collins is built around that tremendous experience, talented backcourt. Complimentary players have stepped up and had really good seasons. They defend. 
at a very high level. I think the coaching staff, the addition of Chris Lowry and, and others on the coaching staff have brought a level of, of um, sophistication to what they do defensively. But ultimately, it's what the kids have been able to do in uh, competing, buying in, improving. And it's a great story. And they're clearly solidly in the tournament field. There's no denying that. And a dangerous tournament team as well. I don't know where they'll end up being seeded. But, uh, you know, sometimes, Anthony, it just takes a minute for the uh, light to shine on those who deserve it. You know, there's so much noise and there's so much attention being garnered by so many that sometimes deserving folks, it takes a minute for them to, to land on the radar screen. But they're there. They've earned their way there. And they'll have a chance to keep amplifying who they are and what they are by their performance. Clark, what makes a great tournament coach? Wow, great question, um, Lawrence. I mean, what makes a really good coach in general? Communication. I mean, the lifeline of college athletics is recruiting. So when you get away from that, then you start talking about the dynamics within the game. I think it's being able to adjust as the game unfolds. If you have to go away from what your comfort zone is to give yourself a chance to win, are you able to do that? Uh, and clearly motivating and communicating, putting your pieces together. Those are all elements. But I think the biggest thing uh, in specific answer to your question, I think is the, the ability to adjust on the fly, maybe from media timeout to media timeout if necessary. It's rare that has to be the case, but certainly halftime, late game situations, um, personnel issues, whether it's foul trouble or poor performance, uh, that type of stuff really, I think, is the differentiator when you start talking about separating uh, really good coaches from, uh, from great coaches. The great big man isn't necessarily something a lot of programs have in the same way. You know, a, a true post like Purdue has yeah. in Zach Eady, he's looked at as a front runner. Well, nobody's got to do like him, Anthony. Nobody's got to do like him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can clear that up right now. Uh, uh, Chris Holtman, the coach at Ohio State, basically dubbed uh, uh, Zach Eady, the cheat code, and that's exactly what he is. I mean, for those who play video games, uh, a cheat code is a real valuable weapon and asset, and that's what he is. He's 7-4, legit, just shy of 300 LBs, uh, great competitive spirit, um, has really worked on his game, uh, light-footed for a guy of that size. Uh, and, uh, man, he's, uh, he's unique in um, Purdue has a really good good one. Great kid, hard worker, has improved greatly since he got there. And uh, it's been fun to watch him um, do what he's done. I think he's the player of the year in college basketball. Others will uh, get in the conversation from a distance, but I think he's pretty much solidified that he'll, he'll win most of the college of the year, um, player of the year awards. Clark, this was delightful. You can go and check out Clark. He's going to have an event at Rivers Casino in the event center March 9th. It's a special Q&A. You can get tickets. So you should go. You can hear his picks, and he's going to tell stories, and there's going to be a bracket reveal. Go to riverscasino.com for tickets. Clark, thank you so much for joining us. This was fantastic. No, I enjoyed it, guys. Enjoyed the um, run through March Madness, and uh, maybe we'll get a chance to chop it up again as the tournament unfolds. Ah, we would both love that, sir. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. All right, Lawrence and Anthony, have a great day. Appreciate you guys.